Hello and welcome to the New Hope Church podcast. Don't forget to check us out online at newhopechurch.tv. And we'd love to connect with you on social media at New Hope Church TV. Thanks for listening and we hope you enjoy. All right, all right. Welcome, church family. Welcome to 88 Campus, Friendswood Campus, Alvin Campus, Webster Campus, and everyone who is joining us online. We're so glad that you're with us today. Do this for me in your prayer time because it's what the Bible says we're supposed to do. Include the president in your prayers. Include the president in your prayers. I said it the weekend after Obama took office. I said it the weekend after Trump took office. I'm saying it the weekend after Biden took, takes office. So uh, this is what we're supposed to do. If you don't believe me, 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2, pray for your leaders, right? And even as I say that, please note the problems in America are not political. They are spiritual. Therefore, a politician will never be the answer. The answer is always going to be Jesus. Amen? All right, so. so whether you're happy or sad today, you know what? I'm happy because Jesus is my Savior. So, and, and I know I, I get on people's nerves sometimes because I put it on social media, Jesus is the answer. Something happens. I put Jesus is the answer. People are like, ugh. They want me to get all, all up in arms and angst about everything. And I'm like, hey, I'm over here. I got peace. I got the joy of my Savior. I got Jesus. I'm okay. I'm okay over here. So. Come on and visit me sometime. Um, we're in a series from the book of Joshua. The book of Joshua begins after the Israelites had spent hundreds of years in slaves in slavery in Egypt. Uh, after they were released from slavery and spent 42 years or so on the slow road to the promised land, the book of Joshua begins then, after slavery, and then after the time spent wandering in the wilderness. It begins at the Jordan River when those 2.5 million people were about to cross into the promised land, into a place they had never been before. And I thought, this is how my mind works, I thought it would be a good idea for us as we cross into a new year where so many things are different to visit this book so that we can learn some meaningful lessons as we journey into a place we've never been before, the year 2021. As the book begins, we... We saw that God encouraged Joshua to, this is kind of a quiz, it's kind of a quiz. You ready for this? He encouraged, he encouraged Joshua and the people, God did, to be strong and, fill in the blank, courageous. courageous, strong and courageous. He wanted them to follow his lead. He wanted them to remember all that he had done for them in the past. He wanted them to, when they would run into a wall, as they did in Jericho, to keep on doing what God had asked him to do while God did what only God can do, and that's a good word for us. And Pastor Howard preached that to us last week. This week we're going to be in chapters 7 and 8 as we move from the now-conquered city of Jericho to the city of Ai. The location of the city of Ai has been disputed for a long time, and I say that because when I was in Bible college, I had a Bible college professor who did excavations during the summertime, and he claimed that he and his team had found it in the uh, summer of 1981. I recently read that somebody else claimed that they had found it. <laughs> so we don't know exactly where it is, but we do know from events before the battle at Ai and after the battle at Ai that it was probably in this vicinity right here. So here's Jericho, 
Here's the Jordan River. There's the wilderness on the other side of the Jordan where the people crossed over. When God said, be strong and courageous, then they went to fight this battle at Jericho. And now here's what's next, the city of Ai. Short distance between Jericho and Ai, but a huge, huge lesson is about to be learned. They're on their way to this city now that's not as fortified. Uh, Dustin, I'm a little hot. I'm talking about the mics, not my looks. I'm talking about the the mic. (laughs) Just a little hot. I can hear it ringing out. Okay. So not as many people in AI, not as big of an army, but I want to show you something ominous. Now, remember, they just defeated Jericho in chapter 6, and I want to go actually to the very last verse of chapter 6. This is chapter 27. And this is not ominous, but it feels like the Lord puts a period on the story of the battle of Jericho in the end of chapter 6. But after I read this, and I'm going to flow over to chapter 7, verse 1, which you understand is the very next verse. Okay, it's the very next verse. So chapter 6, verse 27, so the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame spread throughout the land. So that's how chapter 6, battle of Jericho ends, feels like we're done, right? Chapter 7, now verse 1, but, so the whole chapter begins with the word but. But the Israelites were unfaithful in regard to the devoted things. So, yeah, it was a great victory. We won the victory of Jericho. But, and that but, and what it means here is what causes them to lose this next battle, the battle of Ai. Now, listen, I know we're talking Old Testament, and I know this about the Old Testament. It's old. It's old. It's very old. Thousands of years old. And so it might feel like we're so detached from this, and we're not fighting literal battles in a place that we've never been before. But I'm telling you today that there are principles that span all of history that can be found in this story that are just as applicable to us right now in 2021 as they were back then. Principles that we need as we move forward into a place we've never been before. If you're taking notes... Here's the lead-in line. To win the battle you've lost before. That's a reference to AI, as we'll see in just a few moments. To win the battle you've lost before. First of all, remember, the first always belongs to God. The first always belongs to God. Now, normally, in the wars of the past, part of the pay for the fighting man would be taking some of the valuables of the city that you had just conquered. And you've seen it in the movies. The warriors, the fighting men would come home with the spoils of war and bags over their shoulders and their pockets stuffed full. Agree with it or not, it's the way it has been for thousands of years. However, God said, when you get to Jericho and when you do battle with Jericho, you don't take anything. Take nothing, nothing. No one gets anything because it belongs to me. The first city belongs to me. And, 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 and you, you might think, well, why, why does that, why? Why would God say that? And why would God say then after Jericho you can keep some things? Because it's the principle that's all throughout the Bible and it's in our lives right now as well that the first always belongs to God. The first always belongs to God. Now, someone didn't get the memo. Actually, Everybody got the memo, but someone did not obey it. His name was Achan. This is the rest of verse 1 here. But the Israelites were unfaithful in regards to the devoted things. Achan, son of Carmi, son of Zimri, son of Zareph of the tribe of Judah, took some of the devoted things, some of them. So the Lord's anger burned against Israel. So Achan took some things from Jericho that belonged to God, 
And he did this in secret. So Joshua didn't know about it. And, and Pastor Howard didn't preach about it last week. Pastor Howard preached about the battle of Jericho, and he did not mention it last week. And it, no fault of his own, because he was assigned to certain texts, and he preached that text, and it was not in that text. It's in the text for this week. So here's the deal. No one knew. No one knew. And so Joshua, totally unaware, sends an army of about 3,000 fighting men off to do battle at this very small city of Ai, and they got whooped. That's Texan. For, for they got beat. It's not in the Bible. Here's God's word. So about 3,000 fighting men went up, but they were routed. There you go, routed. They got routed by the men of Ai who killed about 36 of them, and it's not over yet. They chased the Israelites from the city gate as far as the stone quarries and struck them down on the slopes. At this, the hearts of the Israelites melted in fear and became like water. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell face down on the ground before the ark of the Lord. Remember, as we have talked in our church, the ark of the Lord represented the presence of God back in the day. And so Joshua goes to the ark, he rips his clothes, he falls face down in front of the ark, remaining there till the evening. The elders of Israel did the same and sprinkled dust on their heads. And, and I have been there. And I don't mean literally, like I visited that spot when I went to the Holy Land. Not, not literally, but spiritually. I have been here, done this. God has blessed me. And then I've forgotten about him, and I march off to the next battle and get whooped. It's happened throughout my life. And I come limping back to God, and thankfully, I'm a, a quick learner. And so I made the decision when, you know, I'm, I'm this smart. I made the decision, that's not going to happen to me. That's not going to happen to me again. So the first belongs to God. I'm just telling you today, if you want the blessings of God to continue in your life, if you want to live under his favor, if you want his blessings in the next battle that's coming in 2021, make sure that God is first in your life. Somebody say amen if you're with me so far. Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 6. Do not worry saying, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What shall we wear? Those all sound like economic sorts of questions. For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So seek first. I can remember the first time that the, I saw this law or this principle in effect in my life in living color. I was... I was 15 years old, and like most 15-year-olds, I had no money, and I knew I was about to need some money because I was about to turn 16 the next week, and I was going to need some gas money because I was going to go places, you know? So uh, I, my, my dad, who was in this service, uh, was my pastor at the time, and he had just recently preached a sermon about the, the widow at church who gave two mites, or basically for us, we could say two pennies. And so Jesus was watching people put money into the temple treasury, into the box. And uh, lots of people were putting in lots of money. She came by, she put in two pennies. And Jesus said about her, she gave more than anybody else because she, because everybody else gave out of their excess, she gave all she had to live on. And I, I got inspired by that story. And I said, well, I, I can do that because I don't have that much. So I went home and I dug through my dresser drawers and through boxes and so forth, found every piece of money. And it was all coins, by the way, no bills in my life at that time. All coins. And I brought them to the church the very next week and put them in the offering plate. I gave everything to God. Now, the next week I got my driver's license. The very first trip I took in 
in, 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 a, in a car by myself, well, without one of my parents, was with a friend at school. He said to me he needed a batting glove. He was going to go to the sporting goods store at lunchtime. Uh, back when we could get away from school at lunchtime. And so, so I said, well, listen, let's, I'll, I'll drive. I got my driver's license. So we walked a block and a half to my house, got my mom's Chevette. Why are you laughing at Chevette, man? <laughs> Corvette, Chevette, very similar. No, it's not at all. <laughs> Some of you remember the Chevette. Ours had the laminate wood siding on the, yeah, the whole nother level. But we got her car. We drove to the sporting goods store. Walked in the door no sooner, like no sooner than I'd walked in the door that the owner of this mom and pop uh, uh, sporting goods store engaged me and basically within 30 seconds asked me if I wanted a job. And I said, absolutely, I, I would love to have a job. And I worked at Clark's Sporting Goods Store for the next four years, four years. And, and I regret putting this picture up now because it looks like it's from 1910. And you're going <laughs> to... My dad sent it to me. Somebody posted it online. The building's no longer there. That's all I got. And, uh, but it's not that long ago. Sorry. Sorry. Just imagine it being beautiful in color and so forth. But anyway, I worked there for nearly four years, and I was like, wow, when I got the job, I, I had a wow moment because I, I connected the dots very easily. I gave God all that I had, and, and God blessed me, and, and that was a wow moment, my first Listen to me, of many moments when I have been wowed by God. Now, unfortunately, I can testify to the other side of that occasion as well. Times when I have not put God first and I got whooped, routed in the next battle. And so I'm telling you from personal experience on both sides of the equation today, put God first, put God first. And I know everybody has priorities. You may not even be thinking about it right now, but you got priorities. Everybody has priorities. We arrange our schedules, our budgets, our relationships according to perceived importance. Putting God first means we give him priority over everything else. That God is number one. That he's more important than any person or possession. That his word is more valuable to us than any other message. That his way is better than any other path that we could take. The end of this verse, Matthew 6 says, you do this, you seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, all the things that you need are going to be given to you as well. This, the, the, and I'm just telling you, folks, the math doesn't make sense. If I could do this mathematically, I would, I can't. But like when I don't have enough time, for instance, like I don't have enough time, and, and I have a routine where I spend time alone with God in his word every single morning when I get up with a cup of coffee, with two cups of coffee, actually. And, and I do it every single but, but when there's a day when I'm too busy, it's like I got to get up and I got to get on the move today because things that I got so much to do today. But on those days when I still make the time, when I don't have the time, I can't explain this. I have more time. I have more time. Things seem to work out better. Things come together more quickly. Problems are solved more efficiently. Meetings don't take as long. I mean, everything seems to work better when I put God first. I can say it financially too. Those times when it doesn't seem like I had enough to put God first and I did, then boom, I had enough. God provided. When I, this is going to sound crazy. My wife's sitting right over here. But when I, put, when I don't put my wife first, when I put her second, like a distant second to God, that all right with you, baby? 
I know it is. When I put her a distant second to God, guess what happens? My marriage gets better. That doesn't make sense. You put somebody second and your relationship with them gets better. When I put God first in my decision-making, all of a sudden I make better, more impactful decisions. Listen, I am not the smartest guy in the room, and I know that. In fact, I'm not the, when there's three people in the room, I'm still not the smartest guy. If there's only two of us, I got a shot. But if there's three, I'm out. But I have found the key for living under the blessing of Almighty God, and I want you to live there too. And the key to the blessing of God on your life is this. Put God first. Put him first. And then he'll bless you. He always does. So Achan kept some of the first that he found in Jericho, those first that belonged to God, and God removed his blessing. And I need to conclude this point, so I'll conclude it this way. Don't be Achan. Don't be Achan. Secondly, if you're taking notes. To win the battle you've lost before, before you get caught, repent. Like before you get caught, repent. So God said to Joshua, you got sin in the camp. There's sin in the camp, and I'm going to help you find them. I'm going to help you find the culprit. Tomorrow I want every tribe to pass before me, then every family pass before me, then every man pass before me, and I'm going to show you the guy. I'm going to show you the guy. And I'm just telling you something. If you got to go through all that work to find out who did it, the time for mercy has passed. And you understand this, like, like back when you were in school and the teacher said, somebody did this, somebody did, well, who, who did this? And the class is completely quiet. <laughs> and and she, she says, okay, well, here's what we're going to do. Nobody's leaving. Put all your books away. Put all your things away. Phones, everything. And just sit there. And you're just going to sit there until somebody confesses. And everybody's rolling their eyes like, oh, really? we got to go through this. And, and then the bell rings and somebody starts, no, sit down. We're sitting here. Until somebody confesses. I'm telling you, when it gets to that point, there is no mercy left. Correct? Well, here's the deal. Achan could have confessed and repented on the day that he kept God's stuff, but he did not. In fact, he did not confess until he got caught. And then Joshua says this, verse uh, 25. Why have you brought this trouble on us, Achan? The Lord will bring trouble on you today, and that is the understatement of the day because before the sun went down, Achan and his entire family were dead. Bad day in the promised land for all kinds of reasons. Achan gave into temptation, and it hurt him, it hurt his family, it hurt his whole community. And, um, and, 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 we all got a little aching inside of us. And I'm saying that because most of us, in fact, I'd probably argue this for most people at church today. You kind of know the right way. God has put that in you. You kind of know. I know. I think most of us know. But then very deliberately at times we choose to go a different way. And so a question that I'm going to ask out loud and that I'm going to try to give an answer to it. Why do we fall for temptation? Why do we give in to temptation? And I think it's because we rationalize it sometimes. And here are some rationalizations that lead to sin. The first one that I want to share is this. It's just as once, I can handle it. Like, I don't do this all the time. Uh, I know it's wrong, but I have been good for so I haven't done anything wrong for a long time. You know me, I'm a good guy. And, 
In my marriage, you know, I've, I've been faithful my entire life, decades and decades. So this is, this is once. It's not that big of a deal. I, I can handle it because it's just this one time. Or I've been through a tough time, and I've got a lot of pressure on me at work and at home and everything, and I know I shouldn't take this. I know I shouldn't, but this is going to help me, and I'm not going to do it all the time. It's this is once or or my work has never paid me enough. I'm undervalued. I've been undervalued ever since I started working here. So now that I have this opportunity to get some for me, I'm not even going to do it again. I mean, this is barely scratching the surface of what this company owes me. And so I'm going to do it. But just this once, and I can handle it. I'm just telling you something, guys. Sin is such a liar. It's such a liar. We think that we can take that step and we can handle it, but that's step is a trap and it leads to a slippery slope which takes us down into addiction or into a crash and burn or uh, a public revelation and humiliation and our reputation is ruined, our job is lost perhaps, our family is destroyed. I'm just telling you, if Aiken was here right now, he could preach this. Another one. Another rationalization that leads to sin, no one's going to know. No one's going to know. Uh, I can keep this quiet. This is my deal. It's between me, myself, and I, and my spouse is not going to know. Boss is not going to know. Kids are not going to know. But sin has a way of making itself known at the most inopportune times. Numbers 32 says, be sure your sins will find you out. Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, what you whisper in the inner rooms will be shouted from the rooftops. I, uh, I watched a movie a while back, not a recommendation here, but <clears throat> scared me a little bit. But the movie was called The Social Dilemma. The Social Dilemma. It's about big tech. It's about social media and all that. Kind of feels like a documentary. But uh, I'll just, I'll leave it at this. Did you know that big tech tracks everything you do? Everything you do. In fact, if you got your phone with you today, Big Tech knows you're in church. They know. And uh, everything you do on social media, they know. Every like, they know. They, get, they got you uh, down to the algorithms now. Everything you look at, where you drive in your car, what you slow down, what parking lot you pull into. In fact, everything that you, on social media, everything that you pause on, they know. Everything that you expand so that you can see it a little bit better, they know. And so there's this digital footprint of our time spent now like never, ever before. In fact, maybe there was a day when we could say, hey, hey, I'm going to go and I'm going to do and nobody's going to know, no big deal. They know. It's out there now. And there are records. Welcome to 1984. <laughs> That's that's where we are. But most importantly, and, and maybe you need to hear this today, God has always known. God has always known. Achan literally buried stolen goods in his tent and thought, nobody's going to find this. Nobody's ever going to know. But then that day came and God pointed him out. Another rationalization that people use that leads to sin, everybody else is doing it. Everyone else is doing it. And this rationalization could be true of any sin in our society today because now in our world, the world basically celebrates the opposite of God's will. There's a celebration for the opposite of God's will, whether it's on the 
subject of human sexuality or the life of the unborn or treating people differently because of the color of their skin. Our culture is guilty of false advertising in its portrayal of the way that sin is celebrated on TV, in the movies, and in music. But the truth is, sin, even if it's celebrated, rips a path of destruction across people's lives. And I want you to hear this out loud today, guys, because I care about you. Even if 100 million people stood together in one place with one voice and said, we declare that this thing, this behavior, this lifestyle is no longer a sin. Even if 100 million people got together and said that, if this word, if God says it's a sin, it's still a sin. And no, no matter if society gives something as blessing or not, it does not take away the consequences that are inherent with that sin. Then another one. It can't be wrong because it feels so right. It can't be wrong because it feels so Anybody remember this song? Remember the song? Anybody? Then you're old. That's what that means, right? Who was it? De- Debbie Boone? Was Debbie Boone? No? You know. It can't be wrong because it feels so right. You light up my life, that song. That was terrible right there. Then. But anyway, beautiful song, terrible line in the song. This can't be wrong because it feels so right. But people still use this. They're like, I've, I've never been this happy. I've never felt this affirmed. I've never felt this good. And I know that the Bible teaches that I should not be doing this, but I must be reading the Bible wrong because here I am in the middle of this and it actually feels pretty good. The sun is coming up. The sun is shining. People are affirming me, so I must be okay, right? No. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 25 says, Sin is pleasurable for a season. And I got news for you. That's a dangerous season. That's the most dangerous season when a person falls into sin because it literally is the time when the sin is taking over their life and creating a stronghold that they will spend the rest of their life trying to break free from. Then one more. And I... I hate this next one. I hate it. I don't hate what it says, and what it says is true. You're going to see it, but I hate how people use it, okay? I'm going to do this, and, and when I'm done, and if I, I've had my fun, God's going to forgive me. You may think, well, people don't really do that, do they? I have heard people with my own ears. I heard someone who was making the decision to choose an adulterous affair over their spouse. And they said to me, I know it's not right, Pastor, but God will forgive me, right? God will forgive me. Listen, I'm not sure how a a person can tell God, hey, God, creator of the universe, almighty God, Holy God, I'm going to go over here and I'm going to do this. And when I get back, <laughs> you're going to have to forgive me. I mean, you, if you're going to test God's patience, you need to be real, real careful. And I say that because the Bible says, Romans 6, don't sin so that grace may abound. First John says, the one who continues in sin does not know God. Hebrews 6 says, It is impossible for someone who chooses to fall away to repent. And I'm not going to explain all those verses right now. 
But I'm just telling you, be careful testing God's patience. Yes, God is patient. Yes, God is loving. Yes, God is forgiving. But God is not stupid, and some people treat him like he is. And he, and he knows when we're serious. And he knows when we're not serious and we're abusing his grace. And part of repentance for us is to look at what we're doing, to look at the direction we're going, to look at maybe the rationalizations that we're using and say, I'm not going to use that anymore. I'm just, I'm not going to go my way and use a lie as cover. I want to walk with God and do what it is that he wants me to do. So who needs repentance? Who needs repentance? I'm going to tell you who needs it. (laughs) We, We all need it. I need it. You need it. We all need it. And repentance is us making a 180-degree turn. Repentance is us saying, I'm not going to believe the lies anymore that keep me in bondage, in sin. I'm not going to go my own way. I'm going to go God's way. Because everything that God asks us to do and to not do, he's always right about 100% of the time. So I'm going to follow after him. So repentance, according to the Bible, is that that turn. And I need that turn. On a regular basis in my life, because even though I've been a pastor and a Christian for a long time, there's still moments, there's still thoughts, there are still responses, there are still maybe an attitude that I need to walk away from. And I need to turn around and say, God, okay, I'm over here, by, I'm going my own way, I need to follow you. What do you want me to do? Now, I know how this works. I've been seated where you are sitting right now in church as my dad or another pastor preached, and I got convicted. And not because the pastor mentioned my sin specifically, I was convicted by the Holy Spirit who put his finger on that spot in my life. And I'm just saying, if he's doing that for you today, awesome, because it means you're still spiritually alive and the Holy Spirit still wants to do a work in your life. But then it's your turn to do something. Once he puts his finger on that place in your life, it's up to you then to turn away from that thing, whatever it is, and that rationalization and follow hard after the Lord. The best thing that can happen to us is that we repent before we crash and burn. Acts chapter 3, verse 19 says, Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. What a great offer for all of us. And if you're in the battle right now, here's the offer for you. Turn toward the loving grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ before it's too late and let times of refreshing come from the Lord. Somebody say amen. amen. I need you every now and then to say amen and I'll keep moving. If you don't, I just like stay there for too long. <laughs> to win the battle you've lost before, number three, try again, this time with God. Try again, this time with God. After the Israelites got routed in battle at Ai, they, the nation repented, they cleaned house, God's blessing was back on them again. They went back and they won this battle, which leads me to say to you today, just because you've had a defeat in your life does not mean you're defeated. It means you need to try again, but this time with God's blessing. After that victory, the people went to Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim for a time of recommitment. I'm not going to fight. I'm just I'm getting hot. It went for a time of recommitment, and I have a picture of that exact location in the Holy Land This is obviously a modern-day picture. The houses weren't there back in the day when this happened. This is Mount Gerizim. This is Mount Ebal. This is the mountain. Remember this, okay? This is the mountain of blessing. This is the Mount 
of cursing. That's what they were called. And so God said, build an altar on top of the Mount of Cursings, sacrifice some burnt offerings up there, have the people gather. So think about this, two and a half million people go into this valley, half of them go up the slopes of Ebal, half of them go up the slopes of Mount Gerizim. In the very middle, in the valley there, is the Ark of the Covenant surrounded by the Levitical priests. Um, and, and so the sacrifice takes place, and then this happens. Joshua read all the words of the law, the blessings and the curses, just as it is written in the book of the law. There was not a word of all that Moses had commanded that Joshua did not read to the whole assembly of Israel. So some commentaries say that each time he read a blessing, that the entire nation, two and a half million people, would shout, Amen. And then he would read a curse and the people would shout, Amen, just to affirm it. Now, I find it interesting that the altar was on Mount Ebal, which was the Mount of Cursings, but not on Mount Gerizim, the Mount of Blessings. Why? Because the people standing on the slopes of Mount Ebal represented those under the curse of sin who needed a sacrifice. The people on the slopes of Mount Gerizim represented those who were in God's family, who were under the blessing of God and did not need another sacrifice. It may sound a little confusing, but let me clear it up real quick with one picture. Mount Ebal represented another mountain that would come later. You and I were under a curse because of our sin. And Jesus took the curse of sin on our behalf so that we could have the blessing of God. No longer do we have to live under the curse of sin. No longer do we have to live in fear of the future, in fear of what's going to happen in 2021, in fear of the next battle. No longer do we have to live in guilt and shame because Jesus won the victory and broke the curse for us. So what do you do with that? What do you do? What do you do with that, okay? Here's what you do. You turn from whichever way you're going and you follow after him. That's where the blessings are, following after him. Now I wanna conclude by reading some verses from Ephesians. And these are blessings, just an affirmation of blessings. And what I want you to do at all of our campuses is this. I'm gonna read, there's several uh, slides here. I'm gonna read through them. And then uh, when I get to the end, I want you to show your affirmation to these blessings with a hearty amen. And don't worry, you're not going to miss your cue because I'm going to go read, 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 read. And then at the end, I'm going to go, and all the people said, and you're going to say, amen. That's good, but hopefully a little bit more heartily than that because of the blessings of God, all right? So let's try it one more time at all of our campuses. And all the people said, amen. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I don't know if we can get it up to like two and a half million people decibel, but you kind of get the idea here. Ephesians chapter one, praise be to the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in Jesus, the one he loves. In Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. And all the people said, Amen. 
Awesome, man. Would you stand with me, please? Probably a little too soon on the light cue, but that's okay. There we go. It's all about the timing, you know. Uh, so here's the deal. We still don't have prayer partners down at the front of the room. And so if you are joining us in person or you're on our online campus right now, if you do need prayer today, you can text, six, uh, text the word prayer to 642-123. If you want to accept Christ today, make a decision for him. Repent. If you want somebody to know about it today, you're going to repent. You're going to follow after Jesus. Or if you just need prayer, text the word prayer to 642-123. Let me pray for you before we go. Heavenly Father, I thank you, God, for your blessings. I hope and pray that our church family could be a church family that lives under your blessings, that as we march into 2021, and I know there's going to be battles for each and every family, each and every person. I pray, Lord, that we don't go it alone, that we go in your blessing and in your favor. And I pray, God, that we would do what we need to do to to ensure that that blessing is on us, Lord, by obeying you and following hard after you, Lord. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your forgiveness that we're so fortunate to have. Thank you for allowing us, Lord, to be your children. And uh, I, I praise you, God, for your son and for his sacrifice. And it's in his powerful name that we pray. And all the people again said, Amen. God bless God. If you enjoy the podcast, we encourage you to subscribe, share it with friends and family, or let us know by tagging us at New Hope Church TV on social media. We would love to connect with you. Thanks for listening.